0: Welcome to NeuroEd Help. This is week seven, and we are still overcoming the poverty mentality. And so if you haven't listened um, to the past couple of weeks, that's okay. You can start right here, but I do encourage you go back and listen because we've been walking through symptoms of having a poverty mindset. And so um, we've outlined seven symptoms and this week, we are on points five and six. Next week, as we end our class or our time together, as we are celebrating um, the holidays, just family and the, the coming of our King, um, we are just going to take a little bit of a break. And so that's a great time for you to go back and catch up and listen. Um, you never need to take a break from your time with the Lord. So whatever it is, if you have been using this as a tool and a resource, um, use that time on our break when we're not going to be recording um, to just go a little deeper. And maybe you have already listened to all of it, but you can always go back and learn something new. That's what I love about the word of God. It is living and it is active and you can hear something one way, one time, and then you can come back and it's totally different. Because the Lord speaks a now word, whatever season that you are in, he speaks a word just for you because he loves you and you are the apple of his eye. And just in case you're wondering, yes, I do have my on-site crew. Um, If you would like to become a part of that in 2022, we're going to give you some instructions on how to become a part of my tribe, the people that I and get together and we um, we represent a lot of different states in the United States um, and you can most certainly become a part of that group and um, we do have some community time before we start the recording and just a time for prayer request um, and just getting to know one another there is something amazing that is happening across the body of Christ and it's a word called unity like never before I'm seeing um, different, um, genders and different, um, well, really just different across the board. I'm seeing diversity come together like never before, different ages. You know, we have people listening who are 11 and people who are in their 80s. And so this is so great that we're coming together. And the Lord said how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. You know, I believe that this is prophecy happening. This is Jesus's prayer coming to life. He prayed that we would all be one. And it is time out for um, a divisive church. It is time for us to lift Jesus higher. And all of the things that we do on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights or whenever you're going um, and fellowshipping with a group of like-minded people, those are never to be things that divide us. That is simply your personality and what God has called you and your family to. And you know what I've discovered in my time? And I certainly wasn't going here, but I love how the Lord just says, yeah, say it. Okay, so what I've discovered in my life is that my husband and I, we will be in a certain season um, of things that, that God is doing and working on us because he is the master craftsman. He is always working in us and on us so that we can begin to look more and more like him and so when we're in a certain season he brings us to a certain group of people that have tools that maybe we don't have and so if you are passing through um where you have been drawn to what we are doing here i need you to begin to look at your life and go lord how are you preparing me for what is to come what tools are you bringing we don't have for lifers here. That's really a rare thing. We have people who come and then they get the tools that they need and they go on. And that's what we want for you. We want, we want to always be in community with you. But if you are parked here, seated at this teaching, just know that there's a reason for it. My husband and I, we've been in all kinds of churches. And sometimes we we get in a fellowship and we're like, Lord, what are you doing? Because this person, this doesn't even seem like our personality. And you know what he does? He is he is igniting and awakening something in us that we needed for the next step of our journey. Um, and I would love to see us take on that mentality in the body of Christ. It's kind of like a big block party, okay? And so you have your your different neighbors and and their families have different personalities. But if you have only um, spent time just in your family, you're missing out. Even though we have um, given our last name and our 14-year-old goddaughter um, has named us or renamed us because, excuse me, my husband, when he was a little boy, he called himself Jared the Best. And so um, she said, well, our last name is the best because we're the best everything. We're the best family. We're the best um, weird people. That's a compliment in our house. We're the best. And I said, well, what about the other people? And she said, well, you know, we're still the best. They're doing great things, but we are still the best. And I want you to have that mentality about your family, that you're the best. Change your last name to the best. But then as you um, grow in the Lord, I want you to find others of the best. And then you're going you're gonna to be greatly enriched as you see how other families in the body of Christ do things. Um, we have no fellowship for those who, who proclaim Jesus to be Lord. Okay, so, so there are some, some fundamental guidelines, but we have no fellowship that we are unafraid to visit, because we want to see how God is doing his best work in that particular group of people, Um, and so I have no idea who that was for. That certainly wasn't on my notes, but explore what God is doing in the body of Christ, and enrich yourselves, and then walk out Jesus's prayer for unity um, by exposing yourself to what God is doing in other fellowships. Okay, so we are going to dive right in. For those of you who have been taking notes, we are on points five and six of overcoming the poverty mindset. Okay, so let me give you a brief reminder that when we are talking about poverty, we are not only talking about finances, while for some people that definitely is um, in line with what we are talking about, but we're really talking about um, an influence that um, creates a belief system over your life that is counter to the abundance that God has for you. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right in and I'm going to be talking a little bit faster to try and get all of this in because this is week seven and the Lord has already shown me what we're doing for week eight to wrap up for the year and it's awesome. Okay, so point five, this is a symptom of having a poverty mentality, is you always feel like something is about to go wrong. Okay, so for my on-site crew, and I'm not going to have you um, get on, on the mic, but I just want to see, because you are a great representation of the body of Christ. OK? so How many of you have ever walked through a season, or maybe you're still walking through a season where you're just waiting for something to go wrong? It was a good day and you feel like a bad day is coming. Okay, just so you know, I'm seeing hands go up. I'm seeing heads nod of people going, yes, I've been there, or I have currently been there. Okay, this is a symptom of poverty. And I'm going to break that down for you this morning, this evening, or whenever it is that you're listening. Okay, so this is um, probably, now there is not a best saith the Lord on this. So you need to ask the Lord if this is how it happened in your life. But many times that kind of mentality, just waiting for the next thing to go wrong, is because you have invited a foreboding spirit into your life. Now, if you are not familiar with that terminology, just hang on because I'm going to break that down to you. But foreboding, that word foreboding means an impending sense of doom. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I know I've got some note takers. You've invited this impending sense of doom into your life. Now, I want to pause for a minute because in front of me, I saw some women furiously taking notes and shaking their heads because they're like, yes, (laughs) this impending sense is that whole, you wake up in the morning and nothing has has happened to you, but there's just this dread that is filling you. Or maybe for you, it comes at night and we're going to talk about um, why maybe it's in the morning and why it's at nighttime. Um, there, if you've just said, ah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've got anxiety, I've got depression, um, and maybe you do, but there's a route to how you got to that place in the first place. Okay. So I want to back up and I'm going to talk about, um, Jehovah. Uh, one of his names is Elohim creator God. Okay. So when the Lord creates, how many of you know, that it cannot be duplicated um, because he is so, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Okay. And so when he creates, it cannot be duplicated. However, the enemy, even though he cannot duplicate it, he tries. Okay. And so he creates when the Lord is creating something he also, he doesn't have creative power. So if you have believed that the enemy has creative power, that belongs to Jehovah, okay? But what he does is he, he fashions a counterfeit. Okay, so creativity is something that comes from, from within. Um, we have a school and, and our motto is insipid in Claritate, which is in Latin, in, and it means brilliance begins within. Okay, so brilliance, another word for brilliance is light or radiance. Radiance begins within. The enemy is filled with darkness. So he does not have brilliance, but he is crafty. And so sometimes we have attributed things to um, the enemy or Satan or the devil or whatever it is that that you've come to know his name by. Um, Sometimes we have attributed some qualities that he simply doesn't have and he loves it. Because he likes to have what he cannot bear, which is glory, okay? And so we know from the beginning of time, this is Lucifer in heaven, and he was a worship leader. Go to the book of Ezekiel, and it is fascinating. You can read about that, that his whole body was made of musical instruments, and he was radiant, and he was reflecting this beautiful light. And so he got filled with pride, and he was like, wow, wow. I am gorgeous, but really all that was happening is he was reflecting the glory of God, so that wasn't coming from within, you see, he was just a mirror for the glory of God, and that's the same for us, but sometimes pride will will just get in, just very sneaky, and then we're like, wow, wow, I really did that dinner so great. And my family just loved me. And of course they did because I'm amazing. Okay, so I'm not talking about, I don't want you to adopt self-deprecation, okay? That's not of God either. But it's when you just like the whole world starts spinning around you. Okay, so that's what happened. And so because he cannot create, he creates counterfeits. And so There is a gift that God has given and it's called discernment. Discernment is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have it, if you see yourself constantly making bad decisions and you don't know which end is up, pray for discernment. Pray that you would become a a judge of of wisdom, what is actually wise, so that you can begin, begin to adopt that in your life. You know, I was in my 20s. When I began to look at Solomon, okay, Solomon was one of the wisest uh, people to ever live. And so I began to study Solomon and I thought, man, there is nothing that he touches that doesn't prosper and flourish. And then because of it, people saw God. It It was beyond, it was nothing that man could have ever created. And so kings and queens would come from afar and like the queen of the Ethiopia. And she she gave glory to the God of Israel after seeing the wisdom of Solomon. And so I was this young girl and unmarried. And I thought, you know what? I want that. And and so I began to pray for wisdom. And I, I said, Lord, above all, give me wisdom. And I want wisdom. If you haven't sought the Lord for wisdom, do it. And so I began to pray for wisdom, but then I began to pray for discernment, that I would begin to be able to decipher between not judgmental or critical, but just weighing, is this something that comes straight from your hand? And so I said, Lord, sharpen my discernment. And then he began to to tell me things like, this is straight from scripture. So you know a tree by the fruit it bears. That's one of the first things that people are struggling with discernment. That's one of the first things that I will tell them. Remember what the Lord says, you know, a tree, we're trees. That's a metaphor for, for people. Okay. And you know them by the fruit that they bear. So a lot of times people will just make a quick judgment call. Oh, she's full of herself. Oh, she doesn't know anything. And but but fruit takes time to bear. And so you never should just make a quick judgment about anyone. The Lord is the judge. He is the only one who can do that. So you got to watch. You got to wait. And you got to see what is the fruit that is consistently coming out of their lives. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone does. But what do you see in their lives? Do you see constant anxiety? That's not condemnation. You've heard me say over and over again this is a zero condemnation sort of place. Okay. So, so do you constantly see anxiety? It means there's a lack of peace, which means that fruit of the Holy spirit that is peace is missing in their lives. And so when you see that, you don't see it to go, well, she's anxious. Something's wrong with her. You begin to pray peace over that person that that fruit of the spirit will become evident in their lives. But this is where discernment comes in. If you're constantly seeing someone who's just operating in anxiety all the time and anxiety is just an example you can go through every fruit of the spirit in galatians you can go through all of them and you can see the opposite you see there's the counterfeit that i that we're going to dig into this morning okay and so if you are constantly seeing things that are counter to the fruit of the spirit you pray you begin to prophesy that just means to speak god's words over that person But what you don't do, this is where discernment comes in, is partner with them. You don't go, hey, get in my boat. Okay. Because see, the people that you have in your boat have the potential to sink you. And so whomever is in your boat, y'all, this is not even on my notes, but we are going here. So, So for all of you, I have my dear friend. She knows who she is that every time i'm like this is what we're doing and then we end up doing something else. So, my friend from Florida, this is one of those times yet again. I'm just going off my notes. I have all these notes and all these pages, but this is where we're going. Who is in your boat? Okay, so so you speak life of God. You speak the life of God over when you see something counter to the fruit. But you see the Lord said, "You know a tree by the fruit it bears." For a reason. And it's not judgment. It's so that you can begin to make wise decisions about who you're going to bring in close to you. And it doesn't mean that that person is bad. It doesn't. It just means they're not going the same way that you were going in this season. And so instead of trying to make things work, you look and you go, okay, who is Who is saying the same kinds of things that God has been saying to me? And and they're saying, you know what? This is happening in my life. Tune your ears when that begins to happen. Because it's often a sign of someone that needs to be in your boat. But if someone is saying something different than what you have been hearing from God, now I'm not talking about your ego here. I'm talking about the times where you've been flat on your face before the Lord, where you've been in his word and you know without a shadow of a doubt that it's him who's speaking, who is saying the things and revealing the things that God is already revealing to you. And so let's say that you get into a group of people and they're saying something different and you're seeing this fruit that is counter to, you're not the one who gets to decide what fruit should be happening in someone's life. Go to Galatians chapter five. Whoa, we are really, okay, yeah, we're just gonna go for it. Okay, go to Galatians chapter five. I want you to look at the fruit of the spirit. Okay, so for those of you, and I don't uh, have the exact reference, I think it's around verse 20, uh, 22 maybe, but you're gonna just, Galatians chapter five, I actually want you to turn in your Bibles. Go to Galatians chapter five. If you are driving, come back later and do that. Galatians chapter five talks about the fruit Of the Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit go hand in hand. But sometimes we exalt the gifts and we don't exalt the fruit. Okay, so a study of the gifts of the spirit, everybody wants them, right? Um, Our 14-year-old, she's like, pray all the gifts over me. I want them all, which is exactly what you need to do. You all need to be hungry. You need to be hungry for the power of God to move in this earth. Because now, more than ever, we need to see the power of God coming against the kingdom of darkness. But sometimes people exalt the gifts and they neglect the fruit. You see, the gifts are the power and the fruit is his character. And see, we cannot hang on to the power when we do not have the character. And so that's why sometimes you'll see someone and you're like, ooh, that person is anointed and it doesn't last. They get burned out and burned up. Because the character separated from the power is never going to last. But if you begin to cultivate the fruit of God in your life, you know, when I started doing, we're talking about a time in my 20s, maybe because I just recently found the journal and I was showing our 14 year old about um, just another time in my life. She was asking about you know, the study of the word of God and, and how do we dig into scripture? So I pulled this old journal and I had all this writing in it of things. Um, But that particular time in my life was just a really sweet season. And one of the things that the Lord showed me, and y'all, I'm way past my twenties. For those of you who are listening, I'm way past my twenties. But during that time, he began to teach a principle to me. And I want you to look at the fruit. We, I told you to turn to Galatians five and I'm giving you some time. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And then it goes on to say, and against these things, there is no law. And if I got that out of order, y'all, I'm just doing it for memory. So forgive me there. But against such things, There is no law. That means there is nothing that can stand against the character of God. And he wants to create his character in you. Why? So that you look like him. He wants you to look like him. And why? Because the character of God, the nature of God... Covering the earth creates the original design, it creates gardens of Eden wherever we go, and that's our mandate as believers. You see, we are to be like Him, that's what Christian means, Christ follower. It's a word that I don't use quite a bit. I talk about being a believer because it's a reminder to me that there is action that goes with it. I don't want to just create a Christian culture. We have done that for far too long. And I am so thankful that the church is waking up to abolish what we call Christian culture. See, Christian culture is not transferable. It's why people can't understand us when we're talking to them because we're speaking in Christianese but kingdom culture is always transferable. You can take kingdom culture into your workplace. You can take kingdom culture beside a hospital bed. You can take kingdom culture at the dinner table to your your children's school. You can take the kingdom everywhere you go. And the character of God is, is where the kingdom reigns. And it is high time that we stop checking our boxes and being good Christians and we start building the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, that's why, and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place, but like I said, I'm off my notes and I'm just going with what the Lord has given me. But that's why we 12 men took the gospel and they turned the world upside down and they did it without the internet. And they did it without our live streams, and they did it. And if they can do it, why can't we? I would challenge you to to say it's because we haven't been building the kingdom. It's because we've been too busy building our programs, and nothing can change that way. Because see, then it becomes about our preferences and our personalities and all of that stuff. But you know the thing that. That supersedes everything is who God is. Build the kingdom, church. Build the kingdom, and so I begin praying in my twenties. I would go through the fruit of the spirit. Go adopt this if you haven't done this, and go. Which one of these do I not see in abundance in my life right now? in this situation. So I would go through them daily, multiple times a day. And I would go, ooh, I don't have peace. I've been very anxious. And I've been just kind of jittery and worried and all of that sort of stuff. And so I'm missing peace. And then it would take me on a study of the Bible. So then what I would do, and and for those of you who are new to the study of God's word, I would say, I'm missing peace. And so then I begin to just look up, what are all the scriptures that talk about peace? Seek peace and pursue it. I will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast on me. And so then I would take the scripture that talked about the thing that I was missing. And then I would do, like, if you are not bearing fruit in the natural, you got to check the soil. And so I began checking the soil in my life. And then I begin to go, well, this is rocky. And so um, a a study of the parable of the sower, read it. It talks about the different types of soil. And so then I begin to investigate that in my own life. And I would say, wow, I'm, I'm having this thing happen where something shoots up really fast and then it dies. And that means my roots are not going down deep and I'm in shallow soil. And so then I begin to pray that over myself. That's how you pray for yourself. We need to stop praying for, oh, Lord, help me with my bills. Let me. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but I'm, I'm calling us up higher. Because then if we begin to cultivate the fruit of the spirit in our lives, then what did the Lord say? He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Every bit of it, everything that you've been concerned about, don't you know that the Lord is concerned about it, but you have been, we have been so busy as a church. We've been so busy keeping our eyes on our problems and our issues and not keeping our eyes on the, the God who is bigger than every problem than we can ever face. And I know that this morning I'm talking to you passionately and I'm doing more preaching than teaching But I think this is a now word for us right now. The fruit of the spirit needs to be evident because do you know what? It says nothing can stand against that. And if you want to see your home transformed, if you want to see your neighborhood transformed, if you want to see people in your family who are not walking with the Lord, look in the mirror and see what fruit is missing. And then in light of poverty mindset, we are going to see the kingdom of God in abundance and the reign of God in our lives. And so the things that that we're concerned about, what kinds of food we're putting on our plate, we're just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we don't have to think so much. Okay, I'm going to get back to my notes now. (laughs) So. We were talking about the counterfeit and all of that, that I just said is the absolute authentic reality, but the enemy, he tries um, to duplicate what the Lord is doing, but he does it opposite. Okay. So discernment, I I started all of that talking about discernment, discernment, not in submission to the Holy spirit becomes foreboding. Okay, so discernment allows us to go, okay, I see that this is not fruit coming from the Lord. I can see that. But see, when we don't submit that discernment gift, being able to, to, I'm going to say it this way, sense things. Okay, when we don't submit that to the Holy Spirit, a couple of things happen. One is judgment. And then two is foreboding. And I'm going to tell you how that's connected because see that judgment that comes in when we don't submit discernment to the Holy spirit takes us actually into a place of fear. Okay. So for all of my Southerners who are listening, especially you Southern women, how many times have you used the phrase? Well, bless her heart. Bless her heart. And you just didn't even mean to bless her heart. You meant what you meant. Let me be real for for the people up north who may not know what that phrase means. What you meant is she is out of her mind. She has lost it. I am so glad that that is not me. Bless her heart. What would happen if all of us in the South actually started blessing the hearts of people? What if we really did it? Come on, Bible Belt people, we could take the nation by storm. It, as much as we have said, bless her heart, if we actually started doing it. Okay, so see, we get into this place of judgment. And see, judgment takes us out of a place of love. And see, then this is the enemy, he has you exactly where he wants you at that point. And so this is how foreboding comes in. You see, because foreboding is um, in our lives, if it's in your life, it came from fear. Okay. And so, so perfect love casts out fear. And so, see, the minute that you take that discernment and you don't submit that to the Holy Spirit, because just because you're discerning something, you've got to put that in check. Lord, is this from you? Are you showing me this? But when we don't do that, Then we get into this place of judgment, and then we get into this place of fear. We just let fear right in. Come on in. Have a seat at my table. Jesus, scoot over. Okay, and so fear comes, and then it begins to project a future. Because at both times, you have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And at both times, they are projecting the future. You see, that's why the Lord says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So anything done apart from faith is sin. That's what the word says. Why? Because it takes us out of a place of love and God is love. And so when we get into this place of fear, we are out of the place of love. And then it's able to project on the proverbial screens of our lives, whatever it wants. And then the foreboding spirit comes in. You see, faith is based on things that we have hoped for. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But see, fear, that's the focus on things that we don't hope for. We don't want to see. If you think about the times that you've had fear in your life, it's like, oh my goodness, I hope my child doesn't get in a wreck. That's the thing you don't want to see. What if you begin to speak faith? Lord, I thank you that that you are at the wheel and just put my 16 year old in the passenger seat. And I thank you. What if we begin to speak like that? And we will watch fear crumble. Because, see, when we bring the Lord into it and we become people who speak faith, then the God of all love comes in and he says, Fear, you must go. There is no place that you can stand. But, see, what happens, that whole impending sense of doom that you invited by having this foreboding spirit walk right in because you were bowing your knee to fear those of you who are my on-site crew nod your head if you have ever bowed your knee to fear yeah everyone is nodding their head yes and that is because we don't have a revelation of the love of God you see either the word of God is true or it's not He says that his love casts out fear. And so, anytime that you're afraid, if you want to know how to break the spirit of fear, we don't need a whole deliverance session. We don't need you. You want to know how to break it? You let love come on in. You begin to speak, God, show me who you are. God, show me who you are. Stop talking to the spirits that are dark. Set your eyes on Jesus. When fear becomes the dominant reality in your life, if you say, okay, Tamara, but I've actually seen these things happen. I've been afraid and I've seen these things happen. So that must be prophecy. So I'm just prophetic and I have a gift for speaking bad things over the world. Come on. Come on. I have heard that before. If you are seeing that which you fear happen, it is because that's a self fulfilling prophecy and that's what you've been focused on because what you focus on grows. And so you're just walking it out because you have had your eyes on that which does not bring life. Set your eyes on the God of all love. I am what you call a revivalist. I am not a doom and gloom. I'm just going to sit tight to the end of the world. I believe that as long as I'm drawing breath in my body, that I have an assignment and that is to create revival or think of it this way, resuscitation. Okay. So sometimes we think of revival and our church culture, we, we make that into a meeting that goes on um, for some of you, especially you Pentecostal friends of mine that goes on for two weeks every night. And we call that revival. And how about my Baptist friends? You know, you have your revival and it was a big deal. Okay. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. It's a time for us to come together and seek the face of the Lord. But we have diminished revival to only mean our meetings. Guess what they weren't doing when God was talking about revival? They weren't having tent meetings or church meetings. They weren't doing that because see the church was under persecution. So what does the word revival mean? I want you to think about resuscitation. You see, so revival across the land looks like God breathing. And when he breathed, think about with Adam, he fashioned Adam out of the dust and then he breathed life. So it's the Zoe or the life, the eternal life of God. That's what revival is. You can have revival all by yourself in your living room. And some of you need to do that right now. The life of God needs to come and breathe on you, to breathe on your marriage, to breathe on your parenting, to breathe on your own mind. I want to see revival take the church by storm because I want to see Jesus in all of his glory and splendor. But when fear becomes that dominant reality in your life, you're going to constantly be drawn to that spirit that is speaking. And I've had people say to me, you know what? I'm constantly hearing the spirit. I'm constantly, well, the last time I checked, you just say in the name of Jesus, you have to go. There's no hoopla or fanfare. You have to go and I'm going to turn away and I'm going to tune my ears to the frequency of heaven. So, when you have something, I'm looking at a dear friend of mine, and we have worked through some things in her life, and I have watched her become this lioness. I'm watching as fear is going under her feet. And the reason for it is not any teaching. And in case you know who you are, in case you didn't know how you got there, you just stopped listening. And you started tuning your ears to heaven. You see, it's not complicated. Who are you listening to? So when you wake up and you have that impending sense of doom, I break that now in Jesus name. Let let me just not even go any further with information. And let's just, let's get to the real. If you have an impending sense of doom and you have a foreboding spirit in your life, I I just want you, just reach out your hand right now towards the screen. And I just want you, or if you're listening, just, just receive it. And the only reason, there's nothing magical about reaching our hands for it. It just puts us in a posture that God, I'm ready to receive. And so what I want to tell you right now is Jesus came for freedom. He came to set the captives free. That's why he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I've come to preach the good news. And he came to set you free. And so right now in Jesus name. We break off anything that is not of the spirit of love. And you must go right now in Jesus name. And in its place, Lord, come. Come and be loved. Come. And be all that you are. Fill us And Lord. We repent for bowing our knees to fear. And we will only bow our knees to you. And so right now, it's broken in Jesus' name. And you don't have to worry about whether it is or it isn't. And so if you wake up tomorrow morning and you have that impending sense of doom, you just say, love, love, love. You just begin to speak love. And you do that. And it's broken in Jesus' name. And let the love of God fill your heart and your mind because it will guard it in Christ Jesus. And you go, oh, well that didn't work for me. You know, what you have to stay in that place of love. And you just begin to say, Lord, just come and reveal, reveal all that you are. Reveal your love to me because I don't have a deep revelation of it. You know, you can never get enough revelation of the love of God. You never arrive with that. Every day I'm like, Lord, show me more of your your love. And then to the point where I'm overflowing and it's just touching everybody that I encounter. I don't have time for doom because it's time for revival. You can choose your reality. If You didn't know that. You can choose your reality. If what you have been seeing in your life doesn't line up with the word of God, chances are you need to speak it. You need to surround yourselves with people that are calling you up higher. You need to let the sweet presence of the Lord come And if you don't know how to do that, and you don't have anyone to partner, I'm very sensitive to missionaries who um some of you, oh, I just um, I just read just the other day about uh, some missionaries who who were in hiding. Um, And there were children who were made to watch their parents be beheaded. And, and there's a lot that's going on in countries across, um, across our, our world. And, and there are people who are on the front lines. And if you don't feel like you have someone to partner with you, we want to be that for you. And my site crew, I'm calling you now, ladies, pray, pray for the persecuted church, because it is under fire like never before. And I want you to hang on. And I want you to, I want you to, to call into existence what you haven't been seen. And I want you to speak the love of God over whatever nation you've been called to. And whatever um, household that you've been called to. And I just want you to speak the love of God. Because when we have that foreboding spirit... Fear has become our counselor. And you see, we only need to have one counselor and that is the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus, he left and he went back to heaven. He said, I'm giving you the greatest gift you could ever have. And that is the Holy Spirit. And we're not gonna talk about denominational differences about the work of the Holy Spirit. We can all agree on this. He came to be our counselor. And when we allow him to do that, To counsel us. Then the love of God. I'm going to go King James on us. Is shed abroad in our hearts. And so you choose your reality. By whose couch you're sitting on. Let the Holy Spirit be your counselor. David said, even though I walk. Through the darkest valley. You see, he wasn't denying that there were things that were dark around him. I'm not suggesting that you get into this place of denial, but I'm saying keep walking. Don't stand. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Then what he said next this is Psalm chapter 23, if you're not familiar with this. That's a great passage to memorize Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. That's a declaration. He's saying that I will not give place to fear. And see, he doesn't stop there. He tells us why and the how. So if you're saying I'm fearing and I don't understand what you're saying about just love, it says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Focus on the present. For you are with me. And then he goes on to say, for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Who's the rod and staff? None other than the Holy Spirit. He is there to guide you. He is there to direct you. How do you know that, Tamar? Because scripture gives the job description of who the Holy Spirit is. He comes as your comforter. He comes as your counselor. He comes as your guide to lead you into all truth. So David in the Old Testament was saying, you are with me. Your presence is with me. And because your presence is here, your Holy Spirit is going to come. And I don't have to fear. Why don't you have to fear, David? Because when God shows up, evil runs out. Every single time. When light comes, it invades the darkness. Every time. I am mindful of our time. Um, So I'm going to press pause. We did not get to point six. We did not get into how fear impacts your brain. That's the thing I love to talk about. Um, so we're going to tune in next week and we're going to, we're going to hear more of this because I know this is a now word. And if you don't know that terminology, if you're going, what do you, what does she mean by a now word? I just mean a word from the Lord that is very appropriate to the times that we're in and the season that we're in. Okay, so this is a now word, and I want you to know, I want you to be well informed and dangerous, men and women of the kingdom of light. And so I want you to know what happens in your brain whenever you allow fear to come in. And I'm not talking about just the quick little, oh, I was scared, and then you go on. I'm talking about what we've been saying this morning about this impending sense of doom. I want to talk about the destruction that happens at a physical and functional level in your brain. And that's kind of my job. I'm kind of like a fear blaster. And I look at people's brains and I'm like, "Ooh, yeah, I can see it." And I say I say it in different ways to different people, but at all times I'm going, "Man, they got a, they've got a symptom that I'm going to write down in their chart and it says fear, really big." Okay, so Your physician won't understand that if they're looking at your chart, but you understand it now. Fear does something to your brain and it, and it changes the way it functions. But you know what? There's hope. And so you don't have to go, oh no, I've got brain damage. You probably do, but it's reversible. And when you begin to, because see, in an instant, it can go but you have to learn how to walk it out. And so that's what I do. Um, my husband jokes and he says, Hey, um, you're not a neuroscientist. You're a, you have a school for disciples because that's really what I do is that I'm discipling people on getting rid of the junk and the mess and how to walk in total freedom. It does go in an instant. Please believe me. When the Lord shows up, it can go in an instant. But you've got to learn how to sustain it. And you've got to learn how to walk it out. And so um, if you need help doing that, if you um, look, look at the apostles, they were disciples. They walked with Jesus. And so if you need help, there is no shame in that. If you need help walking it out in your life, we want to be a resource to you. We are not the only resource. We just kind of do things in some innovative ways. So So if you've had some issues with things like focus and concentration and attention, we are so happy to help you walk it out. Um, And one of the things that I want you to know is the Lord, he wants you well. He wants you completely well in every way. He wants you well in your body. He wants you well in your soul. And he's already made you well in your spirit by transferring you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. So there should be no shame, which by the way is point 0.6, but we'll get there next time. Um, I loved being with you this morning. I bless you in the name of Jesus. We are always praying for you. Please reach out if you need assistance of any kind, or even if we can just pray with you, we are happy to do that. Um, and we hope to have you tune in next time on NeuroEd Health.